Welcome to Beyond the Hill, reaching beyond the walls of Pleasant Hill Christian Church with real talk, with real people, about real life, encouraging you in your day-to-day walk with Jesus. And now your host, Pastor Trevor King. Hello, and welcome back to Beyond the Hill, where we are um, real people talking about real life and just want to aid you in your walk with the Lord. This podcast is intended for you to, um, each and every month, to just get a little bit of supplemental uh, content. And whatever we may be talking about, it's intended to assist you in your walk with Jesus Christ as Lord and to help you grow in your faith as we talk about just real-life situations um, that we all face. And just to give you a little bit of a warning, um, this is um, 2022, and there's a lot of things that are going on in 2022, and we will be addressing some of those things um, later on this year as they transpire. But want to take time this particular podcast to talk about the influence that you have. Now, if I were to ask you, do you have influence, many people might say no. Bruce, do you think you have influence? Um, me personally? Yeah. Yeah, everybody's, you know, people watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, everybody has influence. Whether you, whether you see it or accept it or acknowledge it, you have an influence on somebody. Yeah, you know, just kind of off the off subject here. I was just talking to Bruce uh, before we began this podcast recording. I said, "Man, we ought to start video recording on a YouTube page, um, chilling in the basement with Bruce, where we do a podcast recording." And I, you know, I thought maybe we could grow and have millions of subscribers and followers. And here we are in Mineral Point, uh, Potosi, Missouri area, with uh, all this influence through um, just a podcast recording, but. Um, on a serious note, each and every person that listens to this podcast, each and every person that you may be driving down the road or you may be walking through the park, you may be just cleaning the house and you're listening to this, again, it's intended to be a supplemental uh, resource to help you in your walk with the Lord Jesus. Um, and ultimately, I pray that each and every person that does listen to this is growing each and every week in their faith and um, are part of a great home church where the Bible's being preached and the name of Jesus being exalted and proclaimed. Um, but we know that there are things that we do face. There are questions that we may have, and there are um, real-life scenarios that we are curious about. So um, the one I wanted to talk about today is the influence that you may have that you may not even think you have. And, you know, I would love to have my wife on here on this topic, and maybe we will one day. And we've had her on before, but my wife is a stay-at-home mom, and she currently homeschools my uh, two oldest, is beginning my third, and we'll have at one time all four girls who will be homeschooling them. And that's her goals, that's her intention. And, you know, she is not one that will ever speak in front of a group of people. And she probably feels like she has very little influence, but... Uh, I believe she has just as much influence as I have. And the reason I say that is maybe because... Maybe more. Maybe more, yeah. Um, because influence isn't just about the amount of people sitting and listening to you or the amount of people that subscribe to your channel or like you or follow you on Facebook. 
<clears throat> there are so many people that may see my wife and maybe try to imitate her or just see a characteristic that they wish they had and they may see it in her. Um, there's not much that people see in me uh, that they really want to put in their own lives. I mean, maybe a little bit, but... You're singing? Uh, singing is one, yeah. I mean, maybe I'll sing. I'll start singing as an introduction on these podcasts. That will really skyrocket our subscribers. We'll go viral, um, <laughs> but for all the wrong reasons. But I think, man, my wife who, you know, and somebody say, well, all she does is stay home. Yeah, well, I've been off work. And I've had COVID to where all I could do is stay home. And I'll tell you this. After a couple of days of being quarantined in a house with three kids and now four, um, I was ready to go back. And it wasn't just sitting on a couch and watching Disney Channel all day. Um, there's a lot that she does that she doesn't realize. And there's a lot of influence that she has that she doesn't even think about. So I want to read a passage of Scripture. And I want to just challenge you all to... Carry yourself in a way that even if you don't think people are watching you, I want you to carry yourself in a way that you live to where people will imitate and where people will follow you. So I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Bruce, do you have it? I do. You want to read it? Sure. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example, an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So that verse is one of my favorite verses, um, especially as a pastor and one who got into ministry young. Um, I came to Pleasant Hill when I was 25. I had began. I had actually started preaching um, at Hazel Creek First Church of God, where Michaela's family attends. Um, about a year to 18 months prior to that. Uh, It started out with just filling in for her great-grandfather, and then it became like a weekly, monthly thing, which I will be eternally grateful for that opportunity and for them to just take me as inexperienced as I was. If you thought I was inexperienced at Pleasant Hill, they got me right out of nowhere. You know, I had no experience, um, and, and they just graciously took me in, and I got to preach there and got into ministry at a young age. And... You know, one of my biggest hang-ups on my own self was, man, I'm going to be young, and I'm going to be trying to tell people how to live who are older than me, and uh, they may not like that, and they may not really take me very well. So I remember this particular package, uh, package, man, it's been Christmas at the post office, clearly. (laughs) Uh, This particular passage resonating really well with me as a young pastor who tried to live in a way that I truly set an example in my speech, my conduct, and love, faith, and purity. Did I always do a great job of that? No. Uh, Did I fail at times? Yep. Most certainly. Um, Am I growing in those areas? For sure. But then, so this passage resonated with me whenever I got into ministry at a young age. But then, and I've told this story numerous times, I've actually preached a sermon on this particular passage in this concept of, uh, you know, I think the sermon was titled Someone Somewhere. Uh, This was actually from a picture that I took when our third child, Aniston May, was born. We were at home, and we got a great snowstorm. And I can remember the two older girls being so excited to go out and make a snowman or, or, or an attempt at making a snowman. And, man, we went out there, and we were making a snowman, and we 
you know, tried to make Olaf or whoever we could make, and uh, it was really like O-flop um, of a snowman. And I remember we were playing out there and snowball fight and whatnot. Well, then, so this was 2019, and I had, at this point, a five-year-old and almost three-year-old. And I can remember our oldest one once kind of just quit playing with the snowballs and quit playing with the snowman and left our yard and started to walk into our church parking lot which just connects to the yard and you know just a few seconds went by and you know there was a great snowstorm so it's not like there's a lot of traffic or anything and I can remember just a few seconds later my second daughter who was almost three at the time decides that she was going to be done too and she quit doing what she was doing and she just took off following her sister and I can remember snapping a photo. I still have the photo on my phone. And it has been like a cover photo for many areas of my life whenever I look at this. Because I saw two things in this particular picture whenever I look back. I saw one thing with my oldest daughter. She wasn't afraid to walk where no one had walked yet. You know, yeah, well, there's just a parking lot that's covered with snow. But there were no footprints there. And she was willing to walk where no one else had walked. Which, you know, can be used to encourage a lot of people to not be afraid to take risks. And not be afraid to walk into the unknown. You know, whenever it came into ministry, taking that step of faith to say yes to uh, preaching each and every week for the first time at Hazel Creek. And then taking that step of faith to pastor a church at Pleasant Hill where I had no idea what it was going to look like, how it was going to go to now see what we've been able to see and and do some awesome things. Um, it was being strong enough and I guess brave enough, uh, like I saw in my oldest daughter. But then I saw in my youngest daughter, she was not called or directed to follow her older sister, but she did. Are, are you the oldest, Bruce, or you have an older brother? I have an older brother. So you remember those days where you wanted to be maybe like him or play with him or compete um, I'm not sure what the age difference is, but... Uh, five, five years older. Five years. So can you maybe remember times in your life where you wanted to be with or kind of fit in with? Yeah, probably. He was probably a junior or senior in high school, and I was, you know, just in middle school. And, you know, I wanted to be yeah. be on the basketball team like the big brother and, and uh, wanted to be with all his friends and follow, you know, follow around like that. He didn't accept that very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I understand that. I was the older brother and uh, a younger brother, two years younger. And um, but yeah. Anyway, I see my youngest take off, you know, and I think, man, she was never called or directed to follow my oldest daughter. She just wanted to follow her older sister. And I remember thinking immediately of this particular verse again, First Timothy chapter four, where Paul instructs this young pastor to set an example, regardless of his age, regardless of what was uncomfortable or what was new or what he may be stepping into, but just to set an example and to understand that he had a lot more influence than he may have ever imagined. So you're saying we don't have to be an elder in the church to set an example or to lead? Certainly, yeah. I think that, you know, you always hear the joke of the Back Row Baptists, you know, the Facebook page or the YouTube channel. Um, Even the Back Row... um, seat fillers, if you want to call them back row Baptists or back row seat fillers, have a lot more influence than they would maybe ever imagine. Yeah, I sit back there. You sit in the very back corner, (laughs) yeah. You sit in the sound room back row. Um, But it all stems from uh, from the understanding and the concept of people are always watching. 
people are always watching you. People are always watching me. People are always watching our wives. People are always watching our children. You know, and there's going to be two types of people that watch. People that watch us because maybe they like what they see and they want to follow. But then, of course, we're going to have those people that literally just watch so they can see us fall and see us fail and and make mistakes. Um, But nonetheless, they're still watching and they're still following and they're still maybe learning from. So these five areas that Paul tells Timothy to set an example are five areas I want to just break down for just a moment so that those who are listening um, and even us here in the basement um, can also hold true to and keep in mind as we live our lives. So he says in speech, so how we speak. You know, um, you always hear it's not what you said, it's how you said it. You know, so uh, what does our speech look like? Or what you didn't say. Yeah, or what you should have said. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, and the beautiful thing about that is just because you say something someone doesn't want to hear doesn't mean you said something bad. You know what I mean? Right. Um, So I think when it comes to speech... Making speech not just pleasant and not just mindful, but truly edifying. You know, so if someone needs to be told, hey, you need to fix this or you need to change this or what you're doing is wrong, you know, it would be bad of me. Yeah, and Paul is talking about in his speech and a lot of his preaching to ensure his, you know, his preaching is uh, accurate. Um, but also when it comes to us and who aren't preachers, maybe, um, People look at the way you talk, the way that you speak to one another, the way that you speak to them, or how you don't speak, or what you fail to say that needs to be said. So here's a goal for somebody. Um, Sometimes it's okay to be the bad guy or the bad lady to say what needs to be said, but it's the way that we say it. It's the way that we handle those particular conversations. Um, You know, let's just be honest. No one wants to offend people. No one here, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't intentionally mean to hurt people's feelings or make them feel like less of a human being by any means. So um, sometimes those hard conversations do need to happen, but also be mindful of the way you speak, you know, and and the language you use, um, the words that you use, and the tones that you use. Um, Then he goes into conduct. So the way that we conduct ourselves, our behavior, our day-in and day-out decisions that people see, especially in today's world where you can Snapchat what you're doing or you, people will post you on Facebook, they'll tag you in this or um, they'll, they'll um, you know, include you in that. So especially in our conduct, you know, how are we behaving? What are our decisions day-in and day-out? Is our speech and is our conduct glorifying the Lord but also edifying the body and, you know, building each other up? So whenever it comes to our conduct, um, you know, one of the things that you always hear, and you can remember these bracelets, I remember these bracelets, WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? Um, And I was always told in my house, um, there was two people. So if I ever wanted to do something, I can remember being told, what would Brother Davey say? Brother Davey was my pastor when I was a kid. And what would Grandma Linda, what would Mama Linda think? You know, and... If they t- those two were okay and approving of it, then I could do it. But <laughs> if I knew that they wouldn't be, I better not think about it. You know. So what would Brother Davey do? What would Mama? What would Grandma Linda do? 
So maybe everyone needs to th- have somebody that they really look to or they really respect um, when it comes to spiritual maturity. You know, what would they think if I were to do this? Or what do they think if I were to tell them what I just did? So um, in our conduct as well. And then in love. In love. Um, let's just face it, probably the most overused word in the English vocabulary. Love. Um you know, we love pizza, we love our spouse, and we use the same word. And, you know, we love politicians, or we love music bands, or we love sports teams, or we love this, or we love that. It's so popular, they made an emoji for it, right? Yeah, there's a love emoji. There's a holiday for it now. I mean, there's uh, love candy bars, and, you know, all this, all this stuff surrounded around love. And... It's the kind of love that we ought to be sacrificial. You know, the way that we love, we ought to set an example in the way that we love, which is sacrificial and selfless. And this agape type type love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross whenever he was willing to give himself up. You know, if you remember, Jesus says there's no greater love than this, that a friend would give his life for a friend. Um, so that's the kind of love we ought to demonstrate. And that's the kind of love we ought to give and extend to our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors. You know, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And, you know, I've referred to this uh, particular verse many times, uh, whether it be through sermons or just conversations. And people ask, well, who's my neighbor? And I'll tell them, just look around. All those people that you see around you are your neighbor. Do you have to agree with them on everything? No. Do you have to condone all of their practices? No. Do you have to support all of their decisions or their philosophies? No. But you have to love them in the sense that you will still be cordial and also um, love them deep enough to point them to the Lord and show them who Jesus is. So in those three to start with in your speech and your conduct and your love, three things that people often see in us. How do we love one another? How are we speaking to one another? And how are we behaving? And then in our faith, um, this really kind of makes us ask ourselves, what kind of faith do we possess? Is our faith defined by our church attendance? Is our faith defined by the number of prayers that we may pray a day? Um, What kind of faith do we possess? So, Bruce, let me just ask you a question on the spot. I didn't give you time to prepare for this. Thanks. You're welcome. These are the best conversations, though. They're a lot more authentic. Um, And then you can... (laughs) I'm going to do this back to you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, when it comes to your faith, what is something? Maybe not be the most important thing because, you know, I didn't give you time to think about this. But when it comes to your faith, what is it that you want people to see in you that they may be able to imitate themselves? Wow. <clears throat> Putting me on the spot, right? Yeah. Um People are like, I don't want to go to the basement with Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Not if Trevor's there. Um, and it doesn't have to be super deep. Like I said, I put you on the spot. I didn't give you much time to think about this at all. But just something that when you think about your faith, um, what is it that maybe you hope people see in you that they can also imitate? So I'll I'll talk about uh, an instant on my my tool truck. Obviously, I play Joy FM all day long, but I conduct myself in a different way than a lot of my customers. Um, not that there's anything bad with them, but they're in a pretty rough uh, 
their conduct's not always, you know, uh, you wouldn't see them in a church pew yeah. uh, while they're at work. And there's a lot of professions like that. And I'm not knocking anybody, but um, there was a young man on my tool truck, and he was um, using the F word just one right after the other. And his boss walked right up to him in the face, and he says, you need to have more respect for Bruce. You know he doesn't talk that way. Mm-hmm. Quit doing that in front of him. And the kid kind of bulled up in front of his boss a little bit, but then after his boss walked off the truck, he apologized to me. So they realized my faith through my conduct. Yeah. So they were able to see in you one that, yeah, your speech and your conduct matched what you believed in, you know. And I would imagine the way you live and the way you hope to live in all times, not that we always do like we hope and wish, but everything that we do and everything that we say, we hope to, you know, imitate Jesus, you know, the way that he lives and the way that he carried himself. So, um, you know, so whenever people look at you and the faith that you possess, is it visible? Um, you know, and in that case, yes, it is. So are the people that are listening to this, do you have a faith that people actually see? Um, if your faith is defined by a church attendance record, then I would tell you that it is very shallow and your relationship with the Lord may be very shallow. And not that I'm knocking you or condemning you because um, I love you enough to tell you that God wants you to live in such a way that as James wrote about his entire book almost was about faith and works just being hand in hand. Like you have such strong faith that it is seen through all that you do and the works that you do are just evidence of the faith that you possess. So um, what I encourage you to do is just see what kind of faith you possess and is it visible? Do people see Jesus in you? And um, if not, then what can you do differently? How can you change maybe steps one, two, and three that we just read, the speech, conduct, and love, uh, maybe steps needed to be taken. And then lastly, it's purity. Purity. And this is when it comes to the way that we think, the way that we talk, the way that we behave. This just kind of covers everything. And, and really what it boils down to is, do I truly live pursuing righteousness? Um, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So am I truly hungering and thirsting for righteousness? And if I hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'm going to seek righteousness, meaning I'm going to try and live as close to Jesus as I can. Therefore, people are going to see that in me, and my life will be pure. It won't be filled with all of these you know, hidden addictions or all of these uh, things that we've tried to just sweep under the rug. It will be, it'll be transparent. It'll be pure. And one of the things about purity, I, I think about like a bottle of water. Um, you know, whenever you get a, just a pure bottle of water, there's one thing that you can do, whether it's Dasani, whether it's Aquafina, whether it's um, Deer Park or Ice Mountain, you can see right through it, uh, the water itself. You can see right through the water. And if you were to mix in anything, regardless of the name on the front, it would not be pure and it wouldn't be clear anymore. So that's kind of like the visual I use whenever it comes to living in purity, that it's completely transparent, it's completely visible, there's nothing else um, to you know pollute it or corrupt it, and that what people see is truly what I am and what they get. So um, in those five ways, those are five ways that you and I live out influence and that people are looking at those things in our lives. 
So even though you might not feel like you are an influence by any means, I want you to know in those five things, people are looking. And people may be learning, people may be trying to imitate, or people are seeing uh, maybe hypocrisy or flaws in us in these particular areas. So um, as I titled that picture, as I titled the sermon, as I'll title this, Someone Somewhere. So each and every person listening to this, regardless of what kind of job you work, regardless of what you do, um, regardless of how many or how few social media followers you may have, know that you are leading at least someone somewhere. So the question is, where am I leading them? And that is measured by what Paul told Timothy in these particular areas of influence in these areas of example. So my hope is that you would be more mindful of your influence that you may have and that you would lead people uh, in a greater way, ultimately leading them to Jesus, but ensuring that these areas of your influence are, are true and are pure. So, again, you are leading someone somewhere. It's just a matter of where. Until next time, we hope that this is a good supplemental resource. We pray that God will bless you and God will use you in mighty ways. May he lead you, may he bless you, and God bless